Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody, it's Trags again, and it's Wednesday, June 24th, time for episode 356 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at clnsmedia.com and follow us on Twitter at Patriots CLNS. Been a while since we've had my next guest on, but given all the buzz surrounding the heir to the Tom Brady throne, I felt it was time to welcome back Mark Schofield. He does amazing work for a number of outlets or a number of locations uh, online that you can find him at. Pat's Pulpit at SB Nation. Also writes for the Touchdown Wire at USA Today and also is the host of the Sco Show pod on SB Nation. How you been, Mark Schofield? I've been good, Mike. It's great to be back with you, sir. It's great to take a few moments before we started to catch up a little bit. I know these are strange and sometimes anxious times, but it's good to hear your voice again. It's great to be back with you. I appreciate you saying that. You're uh, staying safe down uh, you're uh, down in DC area, right? I am down in DC, staying safe as best we can. Maryland is uh, I'm in Montgomery County, which is just north of the DC line. We're starting to get into I think we just reached phase 2 of our reopening. So, staying safe as best we can. I hope and trust that you and yours are safe as well. Janie and Emma are hanging in there. Uh, the uh, significant other is also doing well. So that's about all I can ask for. So uh, I, I'm pleased. Uh, what are your um, thoughts and what's your prognosis for what the NFL season is going to look like this fall? I do think we're definitely going to have an NFL season. That's going to happen. I just, I'm not, I don't have a great feel yet, Mark, of what uh, type kind of shape it's going to take or what kind of form it's going to take. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you in the sense I think we're going to get an NFL season. You know, sitting here, we're recording this, you know, June 23rd. I don't know if it's going to be a full 16-game season. I don't know if we're going to ever have fans in the stands. I don't know what it's going to look like. But I do think that the NFL owners, the league, you know, the forces that be, the powers that be, are going to do everything they can to get some sort of football in the fall if they have to go as far as, say, delaying the start of the season to make sure that they have enough time to get preseason camp in, whatever that looks like, then they'll, they'll do that. But I do think we are going to get some sort of season in the fall, whether it's a full 16 games or, or 12 or something even shorter than that. Who knows? But I do think we're going to see some football. So here's what the way I uh, view this. The NFL probably has the best advantage of the five major team sports uh, in North America, Major League Soccer, NFL, MLB, hockey, NBA, uh, and the uh, NHL. So um, the, the way I look at it, when you, take a, uh, when you examine the NHL and uh, the NBA and to a lesser degree MLS, they all had their seasons interrupted. Uh, MLB, uh, it's been well documented in the last several weeks, cannot get their house in order uh, in terms of the labor disagreement that is, believe it or not, uh, become b- bigger than the sport, even in COVID and with all the social injustice demonstrations going on around North America and around the country, um, baseball can't get it together. NFL 
has the potential here with this happening pretty much smack dab in the middle of their off season to kind of dictate the terms under which they return. And I think they have it, uh, you know, have the advantage of, like you said, pushing it back so that we get underway, uh, with an NFL season that is as close to uh, a full schedule as possible. Uh, and then into the playoffs, you know, as you mentioned that the, the big, absence that uh, I think a lot of players and co- coaching staffs obviously are going to notice is the lack of OTAs in minicamp. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think football is in a advantageous position in a sense because they go last, you know, at least calendar wise, right? Because like you said, the other leagues were in the midst or just on the cusp of their playoffs. Um, you know, we can put baseball aside because they can't even get off the ground. I mean, it's almost embarrassing what's happening with baseball. Well, it is embarrassing. Yeah. Um, with football, they get a sense to sort of see what happens with the other teams, with the other leagues. You know, the NBA trying the bubble, the NHL trying the hub format. You know, they get to see what works, what doesn't. So they'll get a chance to sort of, you know, understand what concepts work, what methods work, what methods don't. And they'll have a chance to sort of roll it out in response to how the other leagues do it and with extra information that they'll have the benefit of having that the other leagues won't. So I think the NFL time-wise is in a very good position to have the best chance of getting it off the ground without any problems. You know, given the time that they have, given the other fact that the other leagues will have to go first, and given the fact that, look, we've all sort of been housebound for the most part for a couple of months now, by the time August rolls around, there's going to be a massive clamoring for sports, particularly football, to come back. And so there's going to be sort of, I think, an almost universal nationwide, you know, support and pitch to get this on the, get this rolling again. So I, I think for a number of factors, you're right. The NFL is in the best position to be successful at having as close to a real season as they can. Speaking with Mark Schofield, you can follow him on Twitter, all one word, at M-A-R-K-S-C-H-O-F-I-E-L-D. I have your Twitter page up, and it's uh, an interesting, as we like to call it, hero, hero image on the front page of your Twitter uh, picture. That would be you speaking with the one and only heir to the Tom Brady throne, as uh, I mentioned earlier. Uh, that would be Jared Stidham. And uh, that picture, I guess, was taken at the 2018 Senior Bowl. That would be after the 2018 college football season. Of course, in 2019, he was taken by the New England Patriots. And I, I guess, you know, in your conversation that was photographed and captured right there, what stuck out to you that makes him the kind of guy that's not going to be overwhelmed by the situation with the Patriots? I mean, I'll tell you this, Mike, in, in talking to him, and you've got a lot more experience in, in interviewing athletes, sitting down with athletes than I do. Um, so I'll preface that, give that a little bit of context. But what first jumped out, and this is going to seem like it's a completely non-football thing, was the warmth. I mean, he had just gotten done with practice. This was the final practice of the week, the Thursday at the Senior Bowl. You know, the players don't practice on Friday. They have like a mini walkthrough that's close to the media. And then they do a bunch of community charity events in the Mobile area. And this was the the second practice of the day. All he probably wanted to do was get off the field. That was the last person he talked to. Somebody else after me tried to interview him, and he just waved them off and went to the locker room. But he spent as much time with me as he wanted to. He seemed interested and engaged. And I thought – this matters for a quarterback. 
you know, this matters at the position because you have to be a leader. You have to command yep. the respect of the sideline and then the huddle. And the fact that he was willing to sort of engage with me and be as open and as warm and as friendly as he was, you know, I walked away thinking that this is a guy that whenever he steps into an NFL huddle, wherever that is, he's going to get the attention and command and respect of the guys in that group with him. And so that was really in my initial thought about the entire interaction. But then the more I talked to him, there was an awareness of the, I'd say, weaknesses of his draft profile in a sense. The things that people were criticizing him for, you know, the, the, the poor film he had his last year at Auburn, the fact he was coming from two different offenses that really weren't the best in terms of a NFL draft evaluation. And then just how he talked about the offense he was running that week, which was Kyle Shanahan's system. And the one thing that he said to me that really stuck with me to this day is I asked him, you know, what was your favorite concept to run this week? And he just looked at me and he <laughs> laughed and he said, it was everything. It was literally everything I ran this week. And that answer, Mike, the way I read it was, yeah, I understand that people think that I was running these gimmicky type offenses first at Baylor, right. then at Auburn. Now I'm in Kyle Shanahan's system and I did everything and I did it well. And you know that you watched me all week. And so I was, I was very impressed with him overall, his overall demeanor, but it was that answer that was just like, I get it. You know, he gets it. He get he sees what everybody is writing about him. He hears what everybody's saying about him, but he knows that he's a much better quarterback than he put on film his final year at Auburn. And I think if you watched his senior bowl, his senior bowl week, the game itself, and then what he did last year, people would probably agree with that sentiment. What about uh, Jed Fish? Last week, uh, our good buddy uh, Evan Lazar uh, was on uh, talking about Jed Fish, and he did a feature on the the Jed Fish-Kyle Shanahan connection and obviously how that might impact um, Jared Stidham and his success uh, here in New England. And why, with Jed Fish uh, in-house here in New England, that uh, might help him transition to what Belichick uh, might be asking him to do. You know, I think, and look, Evan is one of the smartest football people I know. Um, I absolutely adore him. And his column, I think, and his vision for what New England's offense is going to look like is pre- pretty much spot on. You know, if you sort of just think generally breaking in a new quarterback the first time in 20 years, you're replacing a living legend in Tom Brady, you're going to want as an offense to sort of do things that are going to help him. Dante Scarnecchia, you know, just yesterday, you know, was interviewed and he talked about Jared Stidham. He spoke highly of Jared Stidham, said that the kid picks things up almost automatically. But he also said, you're going to want to try like hell, he said, to help the kid out. And I think if you see what New England has done over the past couple of years in terms of the draft, drafting Sony Michelle when they did this past draft, doubling down at the tight end position, including Dalton Keene, who perhaps projects kind of like an HVAC type player, kind of like a Kyle Juszczyk type player. It does seem like they want to move towards that 49ers style of offense where they're going to run a lot of 21 personnel. They're going to throw out of that 21 personnel. They're going to rely on play action. They're going to try to get the tight end and the H-back involved. And not so much, you know, take stuff off Jared Stidham's plate, 
but put him in a position to be successful, which is, after all, the job of any coach, right? You put your players in a position to be successful. And if you look at what the 49ers have done under Kyle Shanahan, you know, they've had that ability to throw out of 21, throw out of heavier personnel, and be extremely successful doing it. Nobody ran 21 personnel last year more than the 49ers. They ran it on 28% of their snaps, 312 plays. But they were successful when they threw the ball 56% of the time, and Jimmy Garoppolo had a quarterback rating of 103.3 with a yards per attempt of 9.7, which is better than his averages for the year of throwing out of 21 personnel. And that's what they want to replicate. They want to be able to put the defense into that base defense and then attack via the air using that 21 personnel package. And I think Stidham's game, Stidham, what I saw from him down to the Super Bowl in this very offense – translate extremely well to that. The quick decision-making, the quick release, the velocity, the arm strength. You're going to want to take advantage of opportunities, particularly going downfield against these base defenses. When you see Jimmy Garoppolo and how he runs that offense, the quick release, the velocity, the accuracy, the pocket movement, you can see why Jared Stinner projects well into that kind of system. And so I think you tie this all together. It helps the quarterback. It puts him in a position to be successful. It's a very advantageous position for him. And also, finally, when the league trended in the direction of getting smaller, getting faster, getting lighter, where four-two-five nickel is a base defense, where three-two-six can sometimes be a base defense, now you're getting an offense that's designed to just wear those defenses down. You know, if they decide to stay light, you can run the ball against them. And if they do go heavy, then you throw against them. It's sort of an ideal situation. It's something that the Patriots as well have done in the past. You think to the 12 personnel package they used to have with Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski, they could do the same things. And so I think you put this together. It's a great way to break in a young quarterback replacing a legend. So here's when I hear all of that and I hear throwing out of a heavier package to me. And, you know, and certainly this has been uh, theorized uh, this offseason that Patriots are going to run the ball more and they're going to run it differently, but they're going to run in out of more power formations. Um, I'm just not so sure that Sony Michelle is the guy to carry the heavy load. And what do they have behind Sony Michelle? I mean, we haven't seen a lot of Damian Harris um, and James White obviously is more of a pass catching uh, type of running back. That's where my big concern really lies. It's not necessarily who's going to catch the ball, although uh, there is legitimate concern in the age of guys like Edelman and Mohamed Sanu. Uh, But when you talk about what the Patriots are going to do to protect um, Jarrett Stidham, and I know you wrote about this, protecting Jarrett Stidham, uh, in one of your recent stories a couple of weeks ago, two things have to be key. You've got to be able to protect them. You've got to be able to run block, and you've got to have running backs who can carry the rock. Yeah. And, you know, I I think that is sort of the uncertain or one of the uncertain pieces of this entire approach, which, you know, who is going to be that sort of bell cow back? And I know that phrase has kind of gotten, you know, it's lost a bit of its luster in this day and age. A lot of people make the argument that running backs don't matter and things like that that you sometimes see in articles in print on Twitter and elsewhere. But if this is indeed the direction they're moving, they're going to need somebody that can pick up yardage between the tackles, that can be the sort of, you know, lead running back in this offense. Have we seen enough from Sony Michelle to be convinced he can be that player? I think there's a lot of hesitancy to, to make that sort of leap. You know, I think that's what they were hoping they were draft when they made that selection. I mean, when they drafted Isaiah Wynn and Sony Michelle in the first round, I think a lot of people, myself included, looked at that as this is their plan for the transition. This is their plan for life after Tom Brady, 
run the ball, establish the run, throw it up, have a 21 personnel. Michelle maybe hasn't lived up to those expectations. I, I think a lot of people are cautiously optimistic about Damian Harris, what he showed at Alabama, not just as a ball carrier, but his ability on third down to stay on the field. Right. For an offense, for a team that obviously you have so much talent on that roster that if you had somebody that's only job was to pick up the blitz as a running back, you could give that person a scholarship. But they left Damien Harris on the field to do that because they trusted him to be a third down back, to pick up the blitz, to pick up rushers, to then catch passes out of the backfield. And so maybe there's a role for Damien Harris to take on more of a role both on first downs and on third downs. Obviously, James White, Rex Burkett, they have a lot of talent at the running back position. It's just if they move to this offense, who can handle the line share of the load? And there's going to be more exposure to that position, so you're going to need depth at that position. And so, you know, the running back depth is a good thing, but it does seem like right now, sitting here mid-June, it might be missing that top guy. All right. Uh, before we move on from Jared Stidham, Tom Brady throwing numbers. I'm going to read you uh, the last three seasons. 613 attempts last year, 570 the year before, 581 the year before that in 2017. Um, if you want to go back to 2015, 2016, he only uh, obviously started 12 games. But in 2015, he threw the ball uh, 624 times. reason I bring all of those numbers up, um, he really scaled up his number of attempts uh, toward the latter part of his career with the Patriots. Do you think Jarrett Stidham is going to be able to throw the ball that much uh, with the Jer- with uh, Josh McDaniels calling the plays? I'd be surprised if his attempts get into the high 500s. Um, you know, let alone the numbers we've seen recently. Like you said, 2015, 624 attempts, 613 last year. You know, I, I think they're, you're probably going to see it more in like the 520 range if he goes to full 16. And that harkens back more to the early days of the Patriots dynasty when it was a team that was obviously relying on their defense, more of a ball control passing game. I think that's where they want to be. Now, what makes it hard to project is the sense that, you know, on paper sitting here right now, this looks to be a much more difficult, difficult schedule than in years prior. You get the NFC West. So you've got San Francisco. You've got Seattle. You've got Arizona, which looks to be improved. You've got the first place schedule. So of course you get the division winners. You get Baltimore. You get Houston. You get Kansas City. And then the AFC East looks to be improved, particularly in Buffalo and even Miami. And so there might be more need to throw the ball than you saw in those early dynasty years. And so, it's going to be a balancing act. I think sitting here right now, they'd rather he throw less. Um, but game scripts might dictate what they have to do offensively. I'm speaking with Mark Schofield. Uh, he does an amazing job for SB Nation, writing for Pat's Pulpit. He's also the host of the Sco Show pod on SB Nation. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Sports are slowly making its way back with the UFC, NASCAR, and soccer leading the way. Bet Online has all the best odds and lines for the upcoming matches this weekend. Need more? Bet Online has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every day live for you to check out. Looking for something else other than sports? Bet Online has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and all of the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag or use your mobile device and join now to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook 
experts. Back with Mark Schofield of Pat's Pulpit and SB Nation. All right, uh, let's move on to some other uh, Patriots news, not Jarrett Stidham related. Well, I guess in one way it might be. One of the guys that uh, will be helping to protect him, Joe Tooney, left guard for the Patriots. Apparently, according to Mike Reese of ESPN Boston, not really any closer to a contract extension, so it's, so it's looking more and more like he could be playing under that franchise tag. You think that's going to happen, Mark? I mean, I obviously... It's it's hard to know where the camps are right now. I mean, Mike Reese and his reporter, which I think we all trust implicitly, saying that they're still pretty far apart. That's a little bit disheartening to think to think about it to hear. Um, I think most people that are fans of this team that cover this team, they want Joe Tooney back. You know, I was making the argument in a discussion, you know, just today with Doug Farrar over a touchdown wire where he's working on a piece of the most underrated player on each team, and I was making the case that it's Joe Tooney for New England. I mean, he means so much to this team. When you were looking at the two sort of top-flight free agent guards, obviously a lot of people thought Brandon Sheriff down in Washington was the top guard, but you look at the numbers over the years, the sacks allowed, the penalties, and things like that. Joe Tooney's a better player, at least on paper, and I think he is on film. Uh, I think he's one of the better interior offensive linemen in the game. I remember talking to uh, Brandon Thorne I had him on my show at the start of last season. Brandon's sort of an offensive line trenches guy. He always goes to that offensive line performance clinic that Duke Mannyweather puts together each offseason, um, writes for The Athletic and other outlets. And he said that the Patriots' offensive line going into last year was the best in the league, in part because of Joe Tooney in the interior and what he does at that position. You watch Super Bowl you know, 53 and see what he did against Aaron Donald. You know, he's a tremendous player in the interior. And when you're talking about protecting a quarterback in New England's offense, first Tom Brady, now Jared Stidham, protecting the A-gaps is so critical. You know, because so much of the offense is predicated on timing, on rhythm, on getting the ball out on time and within the confines and designs of the play. An immediate A-gap pressure can put a halt to that. And so it's incumbent upon the guards to play a massive role there. And let's not forget Joe Tooney, was playing next to a backup center last year. David yep. Andrews was out. Great point. And, you know, the offensive line had its ups and downs, but they didn't seem to really miss David Andrews as much. And that was in large part due to Joe Tooney, what he was able to do. And so, you know, putting those things all together, they need to get Joe Tooney back. And they need to find a way to get a long-term deal done. If he has to play under the franchise tag, then they'll let it come to that. But I really hope they find a way to make the numbers work and get him back here long-term because he's a critical part to what they've done in the past and a critical part to their future as an offensive line and as an offense going forward. What's the deadline? Do you remember? I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, I can try to look that up. Yeah, I, you know what? I can do that too. Let's see. Franchise tag deadline. July 15th. There you go. So there's still a little bit yep. more uh, time for it to get done, but I don't know. And who knows what, uh, you know, given the pandemic we're in, right. if that's impacting it or not. I mean, it might be. But, you know, to, to put my old lawyer hat on for a second, deadlines yes, do tend to do. make deals. <laughs> deadlines make deals. I learned that both the easy way and the hard way back when I was playing a lawyer. So, you know, as we get closer, we get into July, you know, maybe there's more movement. Hopefully there's more movement because, like we were just saying, this is a critical part of their offensive line and their offense, and I'd like to see them here long term. 
and not that this is at the top of the priority scale for the Patriots, but but it does factor in. Uh, he's incredibly well respected and well liked in that uh, locker room. Yeah. Yeah, and you're going to need leaders on the offensive side of the ball. And obviously the quarterback is that by default. Uh, but with the loss of Tom Brady, you're going to need veteran presences, you know, veteran presence or two on the offensive side of the football. We all assume Julian Edelman is going to assume at least part, if not all of that mantle. But Joe Tooney can play that role as well. And well, so, and yeah, yeah. And, not, and not to cut you off, Mark, but I'm thinking more along the lines of the loss of Dante Scarnecchia. It, it right. matters, you know. It, it does matter. A guy That's like, a you know, a guy like um, Tooney coming back, kind of being a stabilizing force, uh, no nonsense type of guy in there. I think that makes a big deal. I think so too. That's a great point. Uh, what about uh, the McCourty twins? Kind of expressing concern, I believe, on their own uh, podcast about. Uh, the return to football in the COVID era, obviously they are not only football fans, but they're sports fans and they see, especially what's going on with hockey and, you know, the spike of cases uh, down in Florida. And, you know, I was uh, talking a little while on Tuesday morning with Matt Grizzlick, a defenseman for the Boston Bruins. And I think there was an understanding that, look, there are going to be cases that spike this is not going to be a perfect return by any stretch of the imagination. There's going to be adversity. And I think, you know, the McCourty twins verbalizing that um, is certainly understandable. But I also think most players who are desperate to get back to some normalcy with their careers and start playing the games that they all grew up loving to play and wanted to play as a profession, I think they're going to have to accept that. And I think most do. Yeah, no, I think most NFL players understand that, you know, there's going to be a desire to see football in the fall, and as such, there are going to be some risks associated with that. I think for many players, not all, but for many, you know, if they do contract coronavirus, if they do contract COVID-19, you know, they will make a healthy recovery. Obviously, there are cases like Vaughn Miller, who had a pre-existing condition with asthma, that, you know, he's still talking about how he's still feeling the effects of it. You know, we've also seen that people that tend to be overweight might struggle with this virus if they do catch it. Well, you know, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, they might be a little bit heavier, shall we say. And so there will be some risks associated with that. But I think that it's good in a sense that they're raising these issues now, that they're they're talking about these issues now because it's not going to be an easy transition. It's not going to be a flawless transition back to this sport. And with basketball, for example, they can try the bubble, the 12-man rosters and things like that. It's it's a smaller footprint. When you talk about training camp in the National Football League with 90 players on a roster, with all the moving parts that go into getting a day of double sessions in the books – there's a lot of people involved there. And so you're going to have numbers, like you said, sort of spike. You're going to have players that test positive, coaching staff, training staff, equipment staff that test positive. And so, you know, how the NFL plans for those eventualities is going to be big. What happens when a player tests positive? Do you shut down training camp? Do you isolate that player? How do you handle that? What about with equipment staff? You know, what happens if – the equipment manager test positive. Do you shut down training camp for a day and sterilize everything? Or do you just do that every single night anyway? There are going to be things that need to be worked through, worked through. 
you know, so it's it's good that players are speaking out about this. It's good that players are recognizing the power that they have to address these sorts of issues. You know, we all want to see football back in some way, shape, or form. And the sooner we think about these issues and work through the eventualities that will surface, the better prepared this league will be for this game when it returns. Speaking with Mark Schofield of Pat's Pulpit and SB Nation. When most people try to lose weight, they think exercise. Whether they actually start exercising or not, the results are normally the same either way. I say the same because losing weight, you know this, is it's all about nutrition, what you eat. With Awaken 180 Weight Loss, you'll receive a customized nutrition plan Weekly, one-on-one coaching, and the option to receive 80% of your daily foods to help you lose weight your first week and each week after until you're down to your ideal weight. During your weight loss transformation, you'll be gaining the tools to know what and how to eat so you can keep that weight off for the long term. As always, Awaken 180 will provide you free support for life. It's work for Cedric Maxwell, Scott Zolak, Dan Ray, Kyle Draper, Andy Grush, and thousands of others. Now it's your turn. Call the long-term solution for weight loss and the official weight loss program of the Boston Red Sox. Awaken 180 Weight Loss online at awaken180weightloss.com. Back with Mark Schofield of Pat's Pulpit and SB Nation. Okay, let's uh, wrap up what's been, uh, I think, a pretty serious podcast for uh, the middle of June when it's supposed to be kind of a chill time for the NFL. We've talked about a lot of serious subjects. You wrote about one that uh, I thought uh, recently, Mark, uh, very interesting pop culture piece talking about video games, your son, and the Madden era. Can you can you explain passing the Madden torch? Yeah, I, I'd love to. And, you know, I should sort of set it up with, you know, I'm 43. I sort of grew up in an environment where thanks to my dad who worked in the computer industry until he retired, um, exposed me to computers, to video games at a very early age. Like I wrote about in the article, like I was playing on the original Atari. Like I wrote about how when we got our first computer and the video games that were on there. So I've video games have been a part of my life since I was six, seven, eight. And obviously when you get to college and yes, law school, even, you know, the transition to consoles like the Nintendo 64 and Sega Genesis and eventually PlayStation and Xbox exposed me to Madden. And, you know, as a former football player, football player at the time when I was in college, you know, the chance to just then sit down and play the game and be Tom Brady or be Steve Young was mind-blowing. And I loved it and I ate it up and I would play seasons and franchises and I would script games and I would take it really seriously when I would do it. Um, but eventually, look, you get older, you have children, you don't have time for it. But my son, over the past couple of months leading up to the holidays, was really driving home the point that he wanted to play Madden. Like he saw the video game tower in my office. He saw the Xbox. He had a friend that lives across the street from him. They had to play Madden at his house. And he just really wanted to play the game. He would be post-it notes around. He would, you know, he was really making a point to me and my wife that he wanted to play Madden. So my wife and I, we figured, okay, we'll have Santa bring him an Xbox controller. Um, we'll let him play Madden once, you know, after Christmas over the winter break. But I needed to be ready because, you know, as a dad, you know the days are coming when they'll beat you at everything. You know, when they'll beat you at one-on-one basketball, when they'll beat you at video games, when they're better than you at everything. You know those days are coming. And I wanted to stave it off. So 
in the weeks and nights leading up to the time that he would get to play Madden, I fired it up for the first time in a long time. I played a franchise with the Arizona Cardinals. I started to relearn the playbook, learn what plays worked, because I wanted to be ready, Mike, for that first time he challenged me, right? For that night when he was going to come upstairs and say, all right, let's play Madden. I knew at some point he was going to be able to beat me. I just didn't want it to be right out of the gate. So I wanted to be ready. And then that, that night came, Mike, I still remember it. You know, we let the kids usually watch a little TV or play something on our, their tablets or whatever before it's time right. to get ready for shower and bed. And so Owen goes running downstairs and he fires up the Madden. And then he comes running upstairs and he opens the door. He's like, Dad, can you play Madden with me? And I'm like, okay, here we go, right? This is going to be the moment. This is going to be the moment where I play him, I beat him. He's going to get upset, okay, and then eventually he'll start beating me and everything. order will be restored to the household. But I can't lose on the opening night. So we sit down. And I'm like, oh, all right, well, what team do you want to be? He turns to me, he's like, I don't know. I figured we'd play on the same team. What team do you want to be? And it just it just threw me because I expected he'd want to play me. But, no, he wanted to be on the same team. So that first time, you know, we played on the same team. It was great. You know, we played a bunch of games over that winter break on the same team. We've never played each other, and I will say this. I'm glad because I watch him play now, and he'd blow me out of the water. Like, I watch him play in the game now, and he's – going forward on every fourth down. He's going for two all the time. Like, he's never punting. He's blitzing all the time. He's doing these things. Football the way it ought to be. (laughs) Football the way it ought to be, Mike. And I even wrote that on the piece. Like, if you're worried about the future of this sport, watch the eight- and the nine-year-olds that are playing Madden because they're just throwing it all the time, running up the score, points galore. It's fun to watch. But I know he destroyed me right now. And so – I'll never play him, I don't think. Or if at least when I do, he's going to beat me. But that moment, though, when he was like, you want to play on the same team, that that was a special little moment. He's a special little guy. He turns nine tomorrow, which I, I cannot believe. Um, but, yeah, like I said, the, the future of football is in good hands with this generation of Madden players that's coming. I'm glad that we actually asked that then. So this will be like a little birthday gift to him, yeah. That um, a little surprise that uh, we actually talked about his – uh, Madden skills on his birthday. I will say a, a quick little story here. Um, yes, please do. Last this past senior bowl, I went out to Dauphine's, which is a restaurant. It's on, it's a quote unquote high rise. It's like a 30 story building in downtown Mobile. Um, they have a beautiful uh, top floor restaurant, Dauphine's, and there were a group of about like 14 of us that went out. And I sat across from Andre Weingarten, who you can find on Twitter, um, but he works for Madden, for EA Sports, designing the game and doing the player ratings and all that stuff. And he had great stories about players coming in and being angry about, you know, their ratings and, you yeah. know, guys calling up EA Sports during the week and be like, how do I get my ratings bumped up? And he had one story about a running back who wanted to see his rating bumped up. They said, well, run for 150 yards this week against so-and-so and we'll bump you up. And the guy went out and did it. You know, and so the the athletes that are in the game get upset and get angry I over think their that's ratings. Awesome. And so Andre had some great stories, but you know, one thing that he did talk about was he's in these videos that are on YouTube from this guy, Yo Boy Pizza, who broadcasts and streams all his Madden exploits. And my son watches that on YouTube. And so I come home from this trip to Mobile, Alabama, where I talk to players and all these stories. But then I tell Owen, I, I met this guy, Andre, I had dinner with him, and he was in one of your boy Pete's videos. And for the first time, Mike, the first time in all the things that I've done, it seemed like Owen actually was impressed. 
because his eyes lit up. He's like, yo boy pizza. I watch yo boy pizza. Like he was for the first time he actually seemed impressed by what I do. So I thought that was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. That's, that's awesome. Any special skill that he has, any move that uh, he has on the game that uh, you want to, uh, what, what's, in, what's impressive um, from uh, like, Owen, I think a lot of the younger kids, the quick twitch skills they have with their hands, like the ability to spin moves, hurdles, all the sort of things you can do as a ball carrier. Like even to this day, when I play, it's like I'm either out running somebody or I'm getting tackled. Okay. Like I, I don't, I don't have the quick twitch skills and the fingertips anymore to really do that. But the dexterity and the quick twitch stuff that Owen and I think a lot of the other kids have, that's pretty impressive. I, I will give him credit for that. I'm really glad we wrapped up with Madden stories. I have too. It beats wrapping up with the real world, right? Yeah. <laughs> At this point, it certainly does. Obviously, the uh, cover uh, cover athlete is Lamar Jackson this year, correct? Madden 2021? That is correct. Madden yeah. 2021, which, I mean, in the article, I had a, I still have it. My Madden 2000 from Nintendo 64. I still have it. It's on the shelf. Oh, I see it. I do. I have the uh, picture of the the story up, and it's actually Madden with his uh, index finger up and the headset on from his old CBS broadcasting days. Amazing. Um, Do do you have a favorite cover? Ah, favorite cover. That's tough. Um, I mentioned the piece Peyton Hillis. Yes, remember like the Peyton Hillis era? Yes, I do. And that that was. That was the height of the Madden curse, correct? Yeah, I think that was pretty much it's it's eased off since then. Since I think Madden sixteen Brady. was a good cover because they had Odell doing the fingertip catch, yeah. which I thought artistically, visually, was a very cool cover. Uh, but I think the Peyton Hillis is like the trivia question answer of all trivia question answers of all time. You know that he was which on the cover. is which is you know the most random athlete to bless the cover of Madden. I would have to say Peyton Hills, no yeah, question. Exactly. Well, it's been a pleasure uh, catching up with you again, uh, Mark. Absolutely. Let's try not to have an absence as long as uh, it has been between the last time I talked with you and now. Um, we'll have to catch up again soon. Be sure to follow Mark Schofield on Twitter. All one word, at M-A-R-K-S-C-H-O-F-I-E-L-D. He does amazing work for a number of different sites. Uh, you know him. Certainly Patriot fans know him from his work on Pat's Pulpit at SB Nation. He also has a tremendous podcast, The Sco Show Pod on SB Nation. want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast. Thank our terrific guest, Mark Schofield. Also want to thank our great sponsors, as always, betonline.ag and Awaken 180 Weight Loss. For producer Michael Angi and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, this is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriot Speed Podcast powered by CLNS Media. Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcast. Or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.